All righty. So after a long uh, hiatus, uh, probably too long, but we now have an opportunity to resume our uh, our classes, our class uh, schedule. And um, one of the questions which uh, came up, which is a little bit relevant to the events which are going on now, it's not something which is so much lamaisa for, uh, as far as I can tell, for anybody here uh, who's present at the moment, but it is halach lamaisa for many people. And it's an interesting Shiloh to discuss. And, uh, you know, sadly for the Jewish people, it's not the first time such a Shiloh has, uh, has arisen, but now is an opportunity where we could ask it and we could sort of explore it uh, together um, where it is relevant for lots of different, uh, lots of different people. Okay, so with that uh, introduction, so we'll put up the sources now. So here, uh, as we're going to see, so there is a, uh, a halacha, which says that a Kohen who killed somebody, Kohanim, who do birkas Kohanim, who in Eretz Yisrael every day, in Chutz Laaretz, on Yom Tovim by Musaf, so we duchen and we uh, we convey God's blessing to uh, to the Jewish people. So um, there's a question, as we're going to see now, whether or not a Kohen who killed somebody uh, is able to duchen anymore. And uh, from here, we're going to go into what happens if you have soldiers. So there are undoubtedly many, many soldiers who are Kohanim, who are currently fighting a war or multiple wars in Eretz Yisrael at that moment. And in the event that a Kohen knows that he went ahead and he killed somebody, so when he returns from battle, is he allowed to duchen? Is he not allowed to duchen? What exactly are the parameters of this uh, this restriction? So as I said, it's not relevant lemaisa for any of you, but as we're going to see when we get to the sources at the end that actually talk about what happens in, in war, so it's an important perspective to uh, to keep in mind. Okay, so the first sources we're going to go through uh, relatively quickly because they are straightforward. So we begin over here with a Gemar in Brachos, on Daf Lamed Beis, on the Beis. So Amr Rabbi Yochan, Rabbi Yochanan says, Kol koin nefesh lo kapov. So Rabbi Yochanan makes a very clear, straightforward, unambiguous statement. It seems un unambiguous. They are a Kohen who goes ahead and kills somebody may not lift, means literally lift his hands, but refers to Birkas Kohanim. Kohen who killed somebody does not duchen anymore. Shenemar, as it says, Yedechem Dami Milo. And this is really the end of a, of a Pasuk. But Chazal understand it to mean that if a Kohen has blood on his hands, so he's no longer going to be able to, uh, to duchen. Now, I know right away you're going to go ahead and say, hey, wait a minute. Didn't Pinchas kill somebody, and that's why he did become a Kohen? So the answer is absolutely yes. That is uh, that is absolutely uh, correct. Uh, maybe we'll save that Shaila for Parshas Pinchas. But for right now, we're just going to take this uh, this halach as is. A second question, which some of you may be wondering, which we're also not going to address now, is the fact that you know that David Amalek was told that he cannot build the base Amikdash because he had blood on his hands. So again, we seem to have these uh, these uh, these examples of oh there it would actually be consistent, but uh, but the, there we also have that's part of the uh, the sugya what happened with uh, with David Amel. Okay, actually the David Amel question will come up later on. Now says the uh, um, says the tour. So as the tour goes out and codifies this halacha, he says this is in Reish Chavches Kuf Chavches. Sorry, Kohen Shargas and Nefesh. Now here, the Torah adds, if a Kohen kills somebody, we're not talking about where he is a rotzeach b'mezid, 
where he did it intentionally, and he wants to go ahead and duchen in the prison. You know, he got a life sentence, and he wants to duchen in prison. We're talking about somebody who did it b'shogeg. So you may very have kohanim, and the Gemara Makas talks about this. You have kohanim who kill b'shogeg and have to run to an ir miklat. In the ir miklat, the kohen would like to go ahead and duchen. You got a whole community there. So he would like to duchen. So the Torah paskins that even if he killed somebody b'shogeg, inadvertently, he's not allowed to duchen. Lo yisa kapov. He's not allowed to duchen. Because the Pasuk says, paraschem, kapechem alim enai michem, gam ki tarbu tefila einenu shomea yedechem damim melo. Okay? So that is... Um, uh, that means that the, that's the, the longer version of the Pasuk which the Gemara quoted and then, and this is something which is a little bit controversial, so Chiddush number one of the tour is, even if one, a Kohen killed inadvertently, he can't dochen. then the tour goes on to say hey, jumped around Hamir, let's say a Kohen decides, he becomes a Mumar, he gives up his belief in Yiddishkeit, in Torah Lo Yisakapot so he's also somebody who, although technically he's a Kohen, but once he's given up his loyalty to Judaism, so he's not allowed to dochen. Because of a Rambam, afilu shav b'tshuva. And the Rambam says that this disqualification remains in force, even if the Kohen went ahead and did tshuva. And there's a machlokas, is the Rambam talking about when he says, even if you do tshuva, you're not going to be allowed to dochen. Is that only by the person who became a mumar? the person who gave up his loyalty to the Torah, or is this going back even on the other halacha of the coin who killed inadvertently? So the Chumrah, as far as our discussion is, you could have a coin who killed somebody inadvertently, he's done tshuva for it, and nonetheless, the very fact that he was the cause of somebody else's uh, life to be taken, so he is disqualified from being a coin. So how exactly do we pass them? So we know already that uh, uh, not everything which is in the tour necessarily, not everything that is mentioned in the Rambam is uh, going to be halacha lemaisa. So we have to figure out what the halacha lemaisa, sorry, we have to figure out what the halacha lemaisa is going to be. So here, Shulchan Aruch says, sorry, I'm playing around. Kohen Shargas and Efesh. Cohen kills somebody, a filubishogeg. So this part of the tour we paskin, even if he did so inadvertently, Loisa's Kapov Afiloasachuva. So Shulchan Aruch assumes that the Rambam was talking about everything. That once a Kohen has killed somebody, even though it was completely inadvertent, and now we're talking about an onus necessarily, but it was inadvertent. It was chopping wood in the uh, the forest, and the head of the axe went flying off, and he's done shuva for what uh, what he did. Nonetheless, Shulchan Aruch says that for Sephardim, that Kohen would not be allowed to duchen again. Haga, the Ramah, however, says, Yesh omim dim asa no The Ramah says there are some people who say that this restriction, that said that the, the stringency that says that the Kohen is not allowed to duchen, even if he did shuva, that's only talking about somebody became a mumer. Somebody gave up Yiddishkeit for a period of time, adopted another religion. That person, even on his return back to Yiddishkeit, is not going to be allowed to go ahead and, and dochen. But the Ramah says that if he killed somebody inadvertently and he's done shuva, once he's done shuva, now he can go back to dochening. But says the Ramah, although there's an opinion which says this, Yeshahakala bale tshuva, lino dalis bifneim. Although maybe we should say, listen, let's be machmer about this because we're talking about a daraisa and maybe we don't want to go ahead and have the 
prosecutor become the defender, Kategor Nasa Senegar, we talked about that on the Yom No Rhyme. But here, the Ramah says, being that we want to encourage people to do tshuva, we want to facilitate the tshuva process and make them feel that if they do tshuva, that they, it will be beneficial to them. So the, it's a, the appropriate approach is to be makos, to be lenient, and allow the Kohen who killed somebody inadvertently who has done tshuva to dochen, and confirms the Ramah of Hachinog. And this is common practice. This is the way that, uh, that that we practice, that a Kohen who has killed somebody but has done shuva will be allowed to go ahead and do Okay. So, now, so only Bishogeg. Bisho, well, yeah, let, we'll say for now Bishogeg. That may also be uh, disputed. Now, one other dispute before we get to the case is Halacha Lemaisa. So we say, Esa Nefesh. So Shochanach said that once a person, Shochanach's language in the tour was Kohen Shaharagesa Nefesh. Now, the question is, what exactly is the definition of nefesh? So says the Prisha, commentary to the tour. He says, nearly, the Ritzon Lomar Yisrael, that the case that we're talking about over here is if a Kohen inadvertently killed a fellow Jew. So if in the event that he inadvertently killed a fellow Jew, then we're going to say he's disqualified from duchening. Maybe if he did tshuva, he can duchen again. Maybe if he did tshuva, he cannot. But the Prisha says that the whole discussion is only with regards to a Kohen who inadvertently killed another Jew. Because that Pasuk, which the Gemara quotes as evidence for the fact that a coin who killed somebody is not allowed to dochen, if you look at the context, it is Behorge Yisrael that was talking specifically about Jews who killed Jews. So since the source Pasuk for this halacha talks about a Jew killing another Jew, so the extent of this halacha that disqualifies the going, nobody's saying that one is allowed to kill a non-Jew, we're not saying that. We're saying that specifically the disqualification to Duchen in the future, the Prisha says that only applies in the event that a Jew inadvertently killed another Jew. But if a Jew inadvertently killed a non-Jew, so the Prisha maintains that the Kohen would be allowed to go ahead and continue Duchening. But the Prima Gadim says, he quotes a sefer called Seda Lederach, I'm not sure who that is, where it says, on the Pasuk, it says, Al Re'eyu, so it says, Harag Akum Yesh Lomar So the Prima Gadim cites sources which says that in the event that one killed a non-Jew, that when, when the Gemara says, if you killed a Nefesh, so it doesn't mean specifically a Jew. We don't know what he does with the Prisha's uh, proof from the fact that the source Pasuk is talking about a Jew killing a Jew, but the Prima Gadim definitely seems to go with the uh, the opinion, or at least quotes the opinion that says that the disqualification from Duchening applies not only for a Jew that killed a Jew, it would apply even if a Jew kills a non-Jew. Okay? So we have Kohen who kills somebody, even Beshogeg is disqualified, Debate whether if he does, if the coin does tshuva, can he go back to duchening again? And now we have a debate whether or not the whole restriction applies in the event that one kills a non-Jew. Okay. Now, what is now one of the things we have to see, which also is going to be important when we get to the uh, to the stuff lemaisa, is what exactly is going to be the defin- definition of killing in a sense. Uh, taking somebody else's life, because there could be many different circumstances uh, 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 for which that could occur, and are all loss of life circumstances treated the same? So, Mishabura says, 
And I'm going quickly through this just because I know we have more sources at the end, which we'll need to read, which will take a little bit longer. So he says, Afilu Bishogig. Now, Vimansu Laharug. Now, let's say the classic case, which we talk about, somebody puts a gun to the Kohen's head and says, either you kill that person or we're going to kill you. Right, the, the the a terrible uh, threat which is uh, which is being done, but that's what they say. They put a gun to your head and say, either you kill or you're going to be killed. Now we know from the Gemara in Sanhedrin, we know the halacha is yerak val yavor. Halacha says you're not allowed to kill. Killing is one of the three cardinal sins, and you have to give up your life rather than kill somebody else. But here the Mishabura says, let's say you couldn't do it. You could, you weren't able to allow them to kill you, and you said, I, "But your your instinct for self preservation overcame you, and it told you, you know what? Just kill that person so that you survive." So you ended up killing somebody. You actively killed somebody. You intentionally killed somebody in order to save your own life. Says the Mishabura, "No says Kapov. That does not disqualify you from being able to dochen. So shogeg does disqualify you." But if somebody held a gun to your head, and because of that gun to your head, you felt compelled that you had to kill somebody, that the Mishabura says, you don't become disqualified from duchening in that case. I, how could that be? You're supposed to give up your life. Explicit Gemara says, Yerek val yavor, allow yourself to be killed rather than killed. So Mishabura says, even though when it comes to the Avera of Ritzicha, when it comes to the Avera of murder, the halacha is explicit and it's not really disputed that you have to allow yourself to be killed rather than kill somebody else. Even though that is the halacha and that's what you should have done. Nonetheless, the fact that you uh, could not resist or you couldn't resist the urge for self-preservation, and you decided that, you know what, I need to keep myself alive, whatever your cheshman was, and you went ahead and you killed the other person in order to preserve your life, so that's considered to be an ones, ones meaning circumstances beyond your control, and in the event that a Kohen killed somebody because of an ones, then he's not disqualified from duchening. So we're drawing a distinction now between shogig and ones. Shogig, shogig disqualifies, Onus doesn't disqualify, even though the onus which occurred, he really shouldn't have done it even in that case. And he actually, ultimately, he did kill intentionally because he did so to save his own life. But nonetheless, since he was compelled to, to do so with the threat of his own life, that gets categorized as onus, and that will not disqualify the Kohen from uh, from Dochening. And in a Yehirag Valyavor case, even the baiting won't punish him. Correct, right. Yeah, so... Um... Right. But it, it doesn't. It, it, but it, it still doesn't disqualify. The main thing over here is it doesn't disqualify him from being able to do it. Okay. Now, next mishabura, afilo asa So here we have the debate about whether or not the kohen who killed somebody has done shuva. Is he allowed to duchen once again? So as we said, according to the mechaber, according to the way the svardim, I imagine would paskin. So doing shuva is not enough. The Aveira of killing somebody is so severe that you, that that Kohen can no longer be a conduit for bracha to come into the world if that Kohen is responsible for the loss of somebody else's life. So even Shuva is not going to help. Whereas according to the Ramah, he cites opinions and says that we should follow the opinion who says that if the Kohen does Shuva, then uh, he could uh, he could once again resume Duchening. So explains the Mishabura, the Shulchan Aruch's opinion. 
Tam Deyazu, the Sviole, the reason of this opinion, of Shochan Aruch's opinion, is the Sviole Davish in the Chadavar Shomi Bifnei Balchuva, even though generally we say that once a person that once a person has repented, so the slate is wiped clean, that's what we always hope for on Yom Kippur, that by the end of Yom Kippur, the slate is completely wiped clean, there's no record of the Averas whatsoever, and why doesn't this Kohen, who killed somebody inadvertently, why doesn't he get the benefit of being a Balchuva, and we're not going to mention that Avera anymore. So he says, He says, even though you've done Shuva, nonetheless, those hands, which you would now want to use as a as a uh, as a uh, as a defender of the Jewish people, as we said, as a conduit for bracha to come into this world, those hands which took somebody else's life cannot be the conduit for bracha, even though you've done tshuva. The fact that you've done tshuva gavaldik will make you Rosh Hashiva, will make you the Gadol Ador. We can do all sorts of things on your behalf. We'll give you Mafter Yona if you want. There's all sorts of honors. We could go ahead, we could make you president of the shul. We could go ahead and do all sorts of things to give you uh, to give you honor. But this specific thing of being a conduit for bracha <laughs> that these Rishonim, which the Mechaber follows, says that those are it's so incongruent to have the hands which took somebody else's life now become the conduit for bracha to enter into this world, is that we just can't have it. And the Kohen is going to have to step aside and cannot dochen anymore. Um, okay, now, the reason why I hesitated before art is because of what it says over here when you talked about the Shoge or Mezit. So the last mission we're going to see is the Ramah said, Hachinog. So the Ramah said that we follow, the Minog is that once the Kohen has done Shuva, we will allow him to go ahead and Dochen. Says the Meshavura, There are some Achronim who say that if the Kohen killed somebody intentionally, then even the Ramah would agree that with Shuva, it's still not enough. That tshuva will help for shogeg. So somebody who killed inadvertently, he didn't really mean in the first place anyways, and he's done tshuva, so then the our, our uh, overriding consideration of the fact that we want about tshuva to do tshuva, so that is going to tell us, you know what, accept the tshuva, let him duchen again, because that's going to enhance the uh, the tshuva process. But somebody who killed b'mezid, somebody who killed intentionally, the avera is so heinous, and it's so bad that the person actually killed somebody b'mezid. So some achronim say, even like the Ramah, we would not allow the, the Kohen to go ahead and duchen anymore. So that also is something, it's a consideration, which would need to be, uh, would need to be taken into account. Okay. So this is the background information which we need to know. So we are going to go ahead and we're going to discuss two different shilas now, now that we have all of the uh, the background information. So one is something which is a more common thing, more common in the sense that it probably happens, uh, you know, all over the world, potentially all over the world all the time. And then the other one is one which is unique to times of war and, and whatnot. <laughs> and the first one is a Kohen who gets into a car accident which causes somebody to die. So if a Kohen gets into a car accident and somebody dies from that accident, so is the Kohen driver, let's say he got the ticket, he was the cause of the accident, is he allowed to duchen anymore? So here, uh, I think we have two chuvas about, yeah, two chuvas about this. So the first one is from the Sheva de Levi, from Rev Vosner. So he writes, that I got received a question from a Kohen 
who got into an accident as he was driving his car, Shedachav Zakin Echad, and he went ahead and, sorry, Shedachav Zakin Echad Artsa, that he uh, hit an elderly, excuse me, individual, knocking him to the ground, and the victim, the person who was uh, who was hit by the car, so he was in the hospital for 30 days, and after 30 days, he ultimately succumbed to the injuries, and he died. So, and the question now is, the driver, the Kohen driver, is he allowed to dochen anymore? So that was the uh, so that was the question which was posed to the Shevet Alevi, and this is if we were like in a, in in a class like for credit or whatever. So then I would go ahead and I would send you back to the earlier eight Marmakomos, the earlier eight sources, and say I've given you all the information. Go ahead and write a response to this question based on the information which all of you know already because we've already we've already done it. We don't have time for that now, <laughs> so we're just going to go ahead and rely on the uh, the Shevet Alevi to present it to us. But you see, he's able to respond to this in. Uh, two and a half lines, we'll call it. says, Rav says, I ruled that the Kohen driver could duchen without any hesitation whatsoever. No, no hesitation. Why? So let's put together the arguments. First of all, the Kohen who was the driver didn't mean to kill anybody. It was an accident. That's the definition of an accident. Shogeg. Ukvar Kiba loved tshuva, and he already committed to do tshuva. Ukai gavna mekel arama simen kufchav ches sif lamet hey bepshitus. And we already know that the Rama adopts the lenient position that if a Kohen killed somebody inadvertently bishogeg and he's done tshuva, so to promote. And to encourage the tshuva process, so we adopt the lenient view, which says the coin will be able to dochen. So first of all, we have the Ramah. The Ramah says he could dochen, so that's fine. Vaod. Furthermore, this piece of information we didn't do. Delo meis miyad. The person, the victim, the one who was hit by the car, he didn't die right away. And if you look in the Magen Avram, which we did not see, he says he differentiates between when the victim died immediately after the accident, not necessarily a car accident, but immediately after the accident, versus the coin who went ahead, uh, sorry, the, uh, the victim who went ahead and died uh, a long time later. So there is that difference over here where he survived for a long time. And it could be once he's in the hospital for 30 days, who knows what mistakes the hospital may have made with his medication or watching his treatment or whatever it is. So it may not be that the driver is solely responsible for his death. And as long as we can attribute at least partially that his death, his death was the result of something else. So we wouldn't disqualify him from duchening according to the Magen Avram. And the Khan owed Sad Nosaf, and furthermore, another reason to be lenient is because the victim was anyway sick. Nothing like blaming the victim over here. But the victim anyways was known to not be a healthy person. And borrowing language of the Gemara, and maybe what it was is that this person was already suffering from a condition which would have taken his life in the next year anyways. And we know that if uh, somebody murders somebody who is going to die anyway, somebody who is a trefa, for example, suffered from a mortal wound, that that rotseach, that murderer would not be put to death. And therefore, it could very well be that since this person was already in such a um, a uh, 
an ill circumstance of his life that he was going to die sometime anyways. Again, not that that's a heter to, to do that, but it's a reason not to disqualify the coin. So for these three reasons, so the Shevet Alevi says, it's absolutely clear to me that there's no, that this coin is allowed to continue dochni. Is 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 uh, is thirty days the definition of immediate, or is that just happened to be the case here? It just happened to be the case here. Okay. Now the next person who addresses this, the next the Rav who addresses this, which we have on our sheets, is uh, the Chavadas is Rav Yosef. So he says, He writes, and we're, we, we skip all of his reasoning, but we'll see the question and then we'll see his conclusion. who's driving a car, and got into an accident which caused a loss of life, caused somebody to die. So, is he going to be allowed to go ahead and say the Is he allowed to do so or not? So now, again, we'd love to be able to go through the entire tshuva of Rav Avadya, but that's more than we have time for. So the sikum is, the summary is, If you have a Kohen who is driving a car, and cause somebody's death, so it's interesting because the Shevet Alevi is Ashkenazi and Ravavadi Yosef is Sephardi. And we know already that there's this fund- fundamental debate between the Mechaber and the Ramah about somebody who killed Bishogeg, who's done Shuva, whether he could he could continue Duchening or not. According to Shulchan Aruch, no. According to the Ramah, yes. yes. So here, Ravavadi Yosef says he's not allowed to. Even if he did Shuva. Being that this Kohen was the cause of the loss of life of another Jew, so that itself is disqualifies him from being able to dochen. It doesn't make a difference to the Sephardim whether or not it was Bishogeg or Mezid, and it doesn't make a difference whether you did Shuva. You're not dochening. You caused the loss of life. You cannot be a conduit for bracha. Then he says, he emphasizes, even if the victim's family sued the driver, the Cohen driver, and the Cohen driver won the court case. They said not guilty. The court said not guilty, and they weren't able to collect any money from him whatsoever. Doesn't make a difference. Because, as long as the driver knows that he was the cause of somebody else's death, he's not allowed to dochen. What the courts say is irrelevant. The courts don't decide who gets a dochen or not. Halacha decides who gets the dochen or not. And if he were to go ahead and dochen under these conditions, according to the Sephardim, that would be a brachal of atala. The bracha he would say before dochening would be unwarranted. But he says, Revavadi acknowledges, Vamnam. They always uh, do this. Uh, that uh, the, the original phrase "yotzim biyad rama." You remember where that where that is, uh, Art? Yeah, she read Hayam. You read Hayam, right? So the Sfardim make a play on words that Rama in Chumash is with a hey. Here they say that the Ashkenazim who go following the Rama with their hand up, like the Rama. So he's saying mekilim bazeh. So they adopt a lenient perspective on this. In the event that the that the death occurred accidentally, and the person, the kohen who caused the death, did tshuva. 
But, says Ravadja, Ava Anu Kibalnu Horas Marana Shukhanar, Shapasuk Shafil Harg Nevish Bishogvas at Chuva, Enonasa Kapov. But, says Ravadja, that's not going to help us Fardim. Because us Fardim, we adopt the opinion of Shukhanar, who says that once they, uh, once a uh, uh, Kohen killed somebody, even though it was Shogig, and even though he did Chuva, it's too late, he's not going to be able to do it okay, uh, anymore. And Ravadya says this has been a consistent position by all the Sephardi poskim. But, he says, But let's say it was completely an onus. So here also Ravadya now draws a distinction between shogeg, inadvertent, where you could have been more careful and you just weren't, and a case where you couldn't have possibly been more careful and it was completely outside of your control. So Ravadya does acknowledge that in the event that the loss of life is what's categorized as an ones, kagon shenog hirus. The driver was following all the laws. He stopped at the stop signs, came to a complete stop, or he stopped at the red light, whatever it is, didn't turn on red. And out of nowhere, some guy just jumped off of the curb onto the street, and he, as he was going 35 miles an hour, so the, the person jumped under the wheels and he died, then if the driver accepts upon himself to do shuva as instructed by whoever his mora hora uh, is, Rashai Lisa Kapov, so when it's a complete onus and he's done shuva, then Rav Avadya says, even for Sephardim it will be okay. And then he says, to your point about the 30 days, Art, the And certainly this is going to be true in the event that the victim didn't die immediately at the scene of the accident, but they brought him to the hospital and he didn't die until a few days later. Then, So then, even Sfardim would be lenient in such a case for Bali Tshuva, because we have enough, uh, uh, enough opinions at that point to say that we could justify uh, the the uh, the Cohen who was in the car accident to go ahead and duchen once again and that he would be comfortable with but only when it's an onus and he's done shuva and certainly in the event that the, the victim didn't die right away. Okay, so that is as we said that is uh, uh, application number one halachalamaisa car accident. So that's something which could happen throughout the world at any time because you have kohanim who drive and there's going to be that uh, that that risk. Now, the last three sources we have are what happens a coin in battle. So a coin who goes out to war. Now here, what, what changes things, as we're going to see, or as, we, as we'll say now, what changes things over here is when you are a soldier and you're pointing a gun at somebody, that's pretty much what we would assume is mazed. So you're intentionally killing another person. That's your job as a soldier, is to go ahead and kill the, uh, is to, to kill the enemy. So what exactly is going to be the story? How is that going to impact the application of the salacha to the, uh, the unit of Katz's or the unit of Khan or the unit of Cones, whatever you know, the, the unit is, which, has, which is comprised of Kohanim? So what's going to happen with all of them? Okay. So here, Cesar, the first chuva we have is from Moshe Feinstein. So Moshe Feinstein, this is Yerdei Chalik Beis, Simen Kufnun Ches. He writes, U bidvar koin shenukach letzava beis ha-machama. So a koin who was drafted into the army, time of war, v'harag nefashot b'machama. And he killed a number of people in battle. Cesar Moshe, pashat shakasu lisa kapov. Rav Osher says, it's obvious, it's clear, he's allowed to do it. Ah, he killed somebody and intentionally. 
So one thing we saw is that when a person is forced to kill, we saw in the Mishavur about a case of Yerag Val Yavor, but in the event that one is forced to go ahead and kill, so that is not a disqualification for being able to dochen. Okay, yeah. And then he says, Ve'af shahasam ha'yadin yerag val yavor va'avar zeh. Right. So, um, so the the reason why this is so is mishum debekev and shu'a kopanim anus. Even though, so being that the person is an onus in the sense that he didn't want to do it, there was a compelling reason which sort of forced him to do it. And he's not even going to be punished for what he did. So that's the reason why if they put a gun to your head, the Cohen's head, and they said, either you kill or you'll be killed. So since it's an onus, so he's not accountable for what he did. Skipping a line. So in Cain, that being the case, that we now know that there, that if a Cohen killed the onus, that he is allowed to continue dochening. Certainly in the event that somebody is drafted into the army. So certainly somebody is drafted into the army, he's got to go, and if he's got to go, so his job as a soldier is to go ahead and shoot to kill. That's their job. And the, co- the soldier who kills somebody isn't doing an Aveira. And this is going to be something which we're going to see this theme in the other postgame as well, that the reason why uh, normally a Kohen who kills somebody is not allowed to dochen is because he did not Aveira. It may be he did it b'mezid, it may be he did it b'shogeg, but regardless of whether it's mezid or shogeg, he's doing, he took somebody's life, in the, which was an Aveira to do. But says Rav Moshe, if he, the soldier took somebody else's life because it was, it was not an Aveira to do, because he was obligated to do that, he was forced to do that as a soldier, so he says that Shirashai, not only is he allowed to kill under those conditions, the of Lisa has kapa, So such a thing is, and he kills because he's he's compelled to do so. He didn't do any iser whatsoever. And therefore, not only is he allowed to dochen, he remains 100 percent obligated to continue dochening, says Rabosha. And Rabosha confirms this is Pashat Ubar. This is simple and clear. There's really not much room for discussion as far as Ramosha is concerned. This is the extent extent of what Moshe writes about this uh, this topic, because it's so pashatim, he doesn't have to go through a whole sugya and analyze Rishonim and analyze the position of the Shulchan Aruch, or Moshe is clear that this is, that the, that this is the halacha. Okay, now, Rav Moshe Sternbach, who currently, uh, he's had many different uh, positions over the course of his uh, his lifetime, I think he's in his mid-90s or something like that, but uh, currently he is the Ab Basin of the Eid Haredes, but he was chief rabbi of uh, South Africa for uh, for many years. So he writes, Bachronim Danu, this is in Shuvah Svan Hagos, Chelek Aleph, Kuflam and Aleph, Danu B'Koin Shahargubah So the Achronim deal with a Kohen who killed somebody in battle. Now, we're not going to see it uh, explicitly necessarily over here. Um and um, and the Revavadi talks about it as well in the next source. But what many of the Echronim talk about over here is, let's say there was a war between, I don't know, um, between the Russians and the uh, the Poles, between Poland and Russia. 
So if there's a war between Poland and Russia, and uh, you have Jews who are on both sides, you have Jewish Russians and you have Jewish uh, uh, people from Poland. So if they're battling one another, it may very well be that in the course of that battle, Jews killed Jews. Putting aside whether that they killed a non-Jew, but it may be that they killed Jews. So does the Kohen have to be concerned if he was conscripted into the army, got drafted in the army, and he knows he killed an enemy? Does he have to be concerned that maybe he killed a fellow Jew and he's disqualified from Duchning? So he says... Says uh, Rav Sternbach. So he says, but this question about a Kohen who's a soldier who killed somebody, so he's got an amazing perspective. He says, It's an amazing perspective. He says, killing somebody in war, that's the way of the world. It's like a natural thing. It's like Teva. And such a person, soldiers are not called murderers. That's what he writes. And even though non-Jews, it's one of the Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noach, so even non-Jews are not allowed to kill, Rav Shemach says that there's no prohibition for a non-Jewish nation to go to war, even though inevitably people are going to be killed, despite the fact that they're prohibited from killing, because war is a different circumstance. And he says, And I saw this by the Nitziv. I think this may very well be this week's parsha. Is Perek Tess uh, this week's parsha, Art? Oh, I wasn't like, what did you ask me? It is Perek Tess in Bracious. Is that this week's parsha? I think so, yeah. I think so, yeah. so that's this week's, if you look at the Nitziv in this week's parsha, he talks about this. And certainly with regards to Dochening, so there's no reason to disqualify a Kohen who was a soldier in the army. The Harei, the, uh, sorry, the Harag, and killed somebody. Shari Ba'ones, Haprichadash Matir, because like Rav Moshe said, when a Kohen kills somebody completely outside of his control, he's not disqualified. Va'apahar Yisrael, even if he killed a Yisroel. And then he says, um, hmm. And then he says that, skipping a line, the kol And Rav Shnurbach says that certainly in the event that the person that the Kohen killed was killed in the course of battle, Rav Shnurbach says all opinions would agree that such a Kohen is not going to be disqualified. It's only when you do Ritzicha that you become disqualified. But in the event that you were doing war and not Ritzicha, so war is very is fundamentally different than Ritzicha, and therefore Rav Shnurmach says that everybody would agree that he's not disqualified. And then he says, interestingly, he says, and mashmos kidvarenu, and there's actually an implication, like we said, that we know it seems to be evident from elsewhere in Shas that Kohanim went out in battle as part of a mechemes mitzvah. When there was a battle which is categorized as a mitzvah battle, Kohanim would go out and fight. Like the Gemara Kedushin says, You remember there's the halach of Yifas Torah, that soldiers who are in battle, if they see a non-Jewish woman from the other side and they want to go ahead and take her home with them, so as a trophy wife in many different ways, so they could go ahead and they could do so. And the Gemara seems to imply that even a Kohen would be allowed to under those conditions. And then he says, uh, he says, even though the Rambam says that Kohanim and Levim don't go out of war, out to war, so he explains, 
when are Kohanim and Levim exempted from battle? That's only by a discretionary war. A war, let's say, where they're just trying to expand the uh, the the, uh, the borders of Eretz Israel because they want more land. But when something is categorized as a mechemes mitzvah, defending the Jewish people, mechemes mitzvah, so then even Kohanim and Levim would go out to battle. And if Shurbach says it would be surprising to go ahead and say that Kohanim are obligated to go out to battle because it's a Mechemes mitzvah, and in battle the goal is to kill the enemy, and that all those Kohanim who get drafted and go out to battle in this Mechemes mitzvah, when they come back, we've now disqualified them from Avoda. You can't bring Karbanos anymore, anymore. you can't do Duchening anymore. That seems to be like a, it would be a, a shocking thing for that to be true. But he says, but he says on top of which, he says that a Mechemes Mitzvah is anyways fundamentally different because over here, look at that last line over there, that last part of the, the, the highlight, he says, So now we've taken it from uh, killing somebody being in Avera to something which is no longer in Avera because that's the way of the world. And now Rav Shumrach is saying that when you're engaged in a Mechemes mitzvah, then it's now considered to be a mitzvah to kill the enemy. And there's no way that if a Kohen is involved in doing the mitzvah of killing the enemy, that the net result of that is going to be he's disqualified from duchening anymore. Rav Shumrach just finds that to be completely uh, illogical. It wouldn't make any sense to, to say that that would be the, the outcome of his uh, of what he did. And therefore, Rav Shumrach takes it also as a davar pasha. It is an obvious matter that a Kohen who killed somebody in war is going to be able to continue duchening. Okay, now... Our last source over here is once again from Yechavadas, once again from Ravadi Yosef. This is an earlier tshuva. This is Chelek Beis Simon Yudalad. But here he addresses now our case of the soldiers explicitly. He says, Kohanim Chayelet Sahal. So here he's explicit. We're talking about uh, soldiers in the Israeli army. Sheishtatu B'Karavot Neget Tzavot Mitzrayim Yarden Vesuria. So this would have been Yom Kippur War, Six Day War, when it was on all three sides. That was Yom Kippur. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mel. So you have Kohanim, who were part of the army, when they did battle against Egypt, Jordan, and Syria. And in the course of that battle, so you have Kohanim who went ahead and killed enemies. So is are those Kohanim soldiers, are they now permanently disqualified from Duchening because they killed somebody or not? Now, over in this tshuva, sadly for me, uh, Rev Avadia did not have a sikum at the end of the uh, the tshuva, where he summarized the, the final points. So we're going to jump around a little bit. I mean, I put ellipses in there as we jump around, but we'll see some of his uh, his uh, uh, main points. He says, he says all the analysis which is recorded earlier in that in this tshuva, so we don't even need to get onto any of that. Besides what the Prichadash mentioned, quoted by the Mishabura, that if somebody was forced to kill another person, they are, the Kohen is allowed to continue duchening, even the case of Yerg Val Yavor. And it was agreed upon by that opinion. Uh, the so if you have a Kohen who's facing down the enemy 
and he's facing danger to his life, a threat to his life. So in war, we know it's kill or be killed. So there's no greater onus than having an enemy facing you on the other side of wherever it is with a gun shooting at you. So obviously that's self-defense. You don't want to kill the person, but what choice do you have? If you don't kill him, he's going to kill you. That would certainly qualify as onus. That's reason number one. And we paskin, we know, from the perspective of Allah, if somebody's after you to kill them, to kill you, so your job is kill them first. Preemptive strike. If you know that they want to kill you, don't wait. Go ahead and be as preemptive as you possibly can. Now he says, And he says, certainly when you have Kohanim who are members of Tzahal, who are standing to protect the Jewish people in their standing, they're there to guard our holy land. I don't know what all of his poetics are, but he says, certainly there's no doubt whatsoever that it's a huge mitzvah to go ahead and preemptively kill the enemy who's coming to go ahead and to destroy, uproot the Jewish people, borrowing that terminology from the Megillah, so certainly there's no doubt, uh, Rav Avadya says, that when facing the, the Arab enemies or the uh, the enemy, the Middle Eastern enemies who are out to destroy the Jewish people and send us to the sea, it's a huge mitzvah to go ahead and kill them all. V'zeu ma'sha pasak Rambam. And that's what the Rambam says. She'ezra um, mitzvah. That a defensive war against an enemy who is coming to kill you, that's also a mechames mitzvah. So that's, that, that also is a, 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 a mitzvah pursuit. And like Rav Sturmbach said, once we say that what the Kohanim are doing, even though they're killing people, they're killing enemies, but even though they're killing people, it's still clear that since what the Kohanim soldiers are doing is a mitzvah, there's no way that the net result of that mitzvah is going to be disqualification for duchening. And now he says, and furthermore, he says of Akan. Now it's at this point in this ellipse where he talks about the difference between what earlier Postkim talked about when Russia and Poland would fight and it could end up being Jew against Jew. But Ravadya says all of that earlier discussion, which you find in some of the earlier Postkim, has no relevance to what's happening uh, in 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 modern in the modern state of Israel. But he says in the wars which the state of Israel faces, so it's very clear that they, they give their, their Moser Nefesh, the soldiers are Moser Nefesh, to repel the enemy, to send away the enemy, and if necessary, to kill them. And the whole purpose is, the sole purpose of that is to save Jewish lives. And the Adarabah, and he says, we should give them a yashikoch. Rather than question whether they should do it, we should be supporting them, applauding them, giving them a huge yashikoch for their efforts because of this enormous mitzvah which they're doing in terms of being Moser nefesh themselves, putting their own lives at risk in order to save the nation, to save the Jewish people, to save the land. And then he says, he says, the matter is clear without any shadow of a doubt whatsoever. 
don't even think, don't even have a half a mina. He writes a whole truth about it, about the half a mina. But he says, don't even have a half a mina lemaisa. That they would uh, that they would be disqualified. These kohanim who were soldiers who killed the, our enemies, so they are absolutely fit, and that it's absolutely appropriate for them to go ahead and to bless the Jewish people. The and they should be blessed from the Almighty above. The Yekuyam al Yadam, and it should be fulfilled through their hands, meaning that they should be that conduit, which is Visamwe Shemi al Bene Yisrael, Vani Avachem, that I will place, uh, they will place my name on the Jewish people, uh, and I will go ahead and I will bless them. So Ravadia is investing 100% behind these Kohanim who are soldiers who are defending the state of Israel, who are defending the, uh, the, uh, the the Jewish people who are there. And there's absolutely no disqualification from them being able to duchen when they return from battle, or even in the middle of, uh, of battle. And from what we saw, from what I could see, none of the posts can disagree about this, that in a circumstance of a Kohen, who's there defending the Jewish people, absolutely will be able to continue to, uh, to duchen. All right? Give Valak. Okay, so 